You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome in to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkett, right up with the Grand. Other side of the screen there, TJ Snyder. You got the point right. I know. I got to point the opposite. I'm pointing so to the good. opposite way, but it goes to you because everything's flipped. But I got it right this time. Very exciting stuff. He's EJ Snyder. He knows draft stuff and other things. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about the other things tonight. No draft talk. No draft questions yet. So Bears coming off of a win. And so no one wants to ask draft questions. Now, if the Bears lose another game here in the near future, maybe there'll be more draft questions. We'll, we'll see what happens here, right? We'll see if there's a trend. But we start off every show talking about what we're drinking. And uh, Mike Smith, who gave us a, uh, a question on Twitter, which you guys can put in your questions for this show on Twitter. You can put them in on the website, uh, you know, wherever wherever you want, uh, you know, hit us up with your questions and, and we'll get to them on the show. But he is at beer underscore me underscore Smith. So, you know, definitely like a, a natural fit to like yes. over beers. He he wants to know what our favorite beers or bourbons that we have discovered in 2023. And I thought this is a, this is a really good question to kick off the show because this gives me a really good excuse to bring on a bottle that I was excited to open but hadn't opened yet. Uh, but this is a distillery that, uh, is new to me. Like I, I knew about them, but I hadn't purchased anything yet. Um, but then I visited the distillery. This is Peerless. I've already mentioned it on the show, but this is a new bottle. This is one that I have not had yet. I'm just opening it tonight. It is the Double Oak, uh, which they they use their rye for. Um, very exciting stuff. 109 proof. All their stuff's really high proof, which you know fits for me. Or it's over 100 proof anyway. And then they all they uh they market their stuff, which I. This is a little bit of Mad Men here, EJ. Uh, I think <laughs> that they market their stuff as strictly sweet mash, which means that it's Ooh. not sour mash, which means that they they do new mash uh, mash every time. They don't hold oh. a little back to do the sour yeah. mash thing. But I'm wondering how many bourbon distilleries do that, but they just don't talk about it. Whereas these guys make it like a marketing feature, which reminds me of the Mad Men episode with the tobacco, the cigarettes, like the, you know, the toasted whatever. Anyway, uh, find that interesting, uh, but really good stuff. Have enjoyed everything I've had from them. And I'm really excited about this bottle. Uh, you answer the question. And what did you bring on? Oh, okay. Uh, if we're going just beers or bourbon, I'll go bourbon. Um, when I was at the draft in Kansas city, I got to go out to the holiday distillery, uh, oldest distillery West of the Mississippi. Um, and they had just launched their holiday soft red wheat bottled in bond. Um, and so I got to try that with the head of marketing for the distillery. He was, he was very generous with the bar pours, uh, along with many of their other offerings, but that was new for them. It's 
I think it's really good because it's there's there's as many flavors of bourbons as there are beers, I think, in terms of you know what you want to use them for, where they fit in your either seasonal rotation. And the soft red wheat I like because you could, you know, drink it. I tend to like it over ice. You could drink it over ice just fine, but you could also taste all the flavors and notes that would work really well in many bourbon-based cocktails or cocktails that will accept bourbon as a substitute. And you thought, oh, this would this would bring something. This would add a little bit of flair without like overpowering. Um, I like all the holidays stuff, but the soft red wheat was new for them at that time. So new last spring. It's been out a while now. Uh, they're making Christmas cocktails with it now that look pretty cool. Um, so if we're just talking bourbons, I would say that I did not bring on a bourbon. I actually brought on a rum. Um, oh, here we go. But, uh, this is one I've been looking at for about a year. This is uh Kniche perfection. It is Panamanian. It is, they call it their double wood version. So it is a, I would say mid to high priced offering in their line, but that only makes it about $50 because it's rum. Um, but it starts off in, strangely enough, bourbon casks and then gets uh, shipped across the Atlantic and finished in brandy casks. Hmm. So it is double finished and it starts off. Um, I just had my first shot of it last night. It starts off fairly straightforward, tastes like rum that ended up in a in a bourbon, you know, in a wood cask. That's fine. And then you get this crazy trail note of brandy that just kind of takes you on a ride. So really interesting stuff if you like rum. And then to wash that down, I have, this is just complete whiplash, Chinese beer. Um, <laughs> this okay. is Lucky Buddha beer. Um, okay. Interestingly enough, it has no label, has a little bit of printing on the back of the bottle, but it has no physical label. Uh, and it has a Buddha in it. It doesn't need a label with the bottle. No. And right. uh, yeah, it's got a Buddha, Buddha bottle, which is pretty cool. It is like green glass beer. Uh, green glass, you know, Asian lager beer. So if you have had <laughs> Asian lager beers out of green glass, you know roughly what they taste like. They have a little bit of sweetness to them. There's a little bit of skunk, depending on how long it's been in the bottle. Uh, but it's, you know, it's clean, clear drinking Asian lager and it comes in a fun bottle. So that's, that's what I got. Awesome. Uh, just took my first sip and I think that's going to be a fun bottle. So, Oh, you think so? Oh, there's a neck pour too. It's a neck pour. So only going to get better from here, but already first sip pretty good i want to start off the show talking about article that i put out this morning and basically this was <laughs> i just want to set some expectations here no because... no i'm i'm laughing about the rum okay because you so think wanna... you're done and then you're not it just keeps going well what else keeps going is the amount of things that you can look at with this Everflu staff and kind of go huh yeah i guess i, guess I didn't realize it was that bad and one of the things that you quickly realize when you look at Bears play the Lions this week, and then they got the, the Vikings next week, and then they got the Lions against, they got three straight NFC North games coming up. And I was like, okay, pretty sure he hasn't won one of these yet. And I look at it, okay, nope, he hasn't. He's 0-8 against the division. And, okay, the Lions are playing pretty good football, and, you know, they look like the front runners in, in the North, of course, and look like they could actually compete here for pretty deep in the playoffs. So those games aren't going to be easy. The Vikings are not dead. I mean, they they are they're, they're playing pretty tough. Uh, and then you got the Packers to end the year, and you know they're not playing very good football. But you know they could very very quickly go to an 0 and 11 mark against the division. 
And so I thought, okay, let's go back and look at since the start of the NFC North, what are these other Bears coaches that most of them haven't survived very long, right? I mean, Jerron lasted, he was the first two years of the NFC North before he was let go. They brought in Lovey. Lovey was here for a while. Uh, and then and then you had this, this, you know, quick succession of coaches that we've all gone through here lately. And, you know, all of them have at least won some games against the division, you know? And, and, and so there was only one other year where there was an Ofer, an Ofer six. And that was the last John Fox year. He went Ofer six against the division in his third year. And everyone did that in his first year. And I get it. Oh, he was, you know, he was brought in for the rebuild and the tank. That's expected. But we may be coming into some pretty scary territory here really soon. If the Bears drop these next divisional games, again, we could be looking at Everflus at a 0-11 divisional record. And all of this like positive talk about, you know, well, I could kind of see Everflus coming back and everybody coming back if they win X number of games or if they do this, right? And they're just setting these expectations. And so one of the things that I I didn't get to in the article, because I thought I don't want to like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to unload everything on this guy. Right. But (laughs) something I want to do is I want to ask people, I want to ask Bears fans. So if you're listening, if you're thinking about this, would you trade this coaching staff for Matt, uh, Matt LaFleur and the Packers coaching staff? Would you trade this coaching staff for the Lions coaching staff, Dan Campbell and everybody that comes with it? Would you trade this coaching staff for Kevin O'Connell and everybody that comes with it? And I think if you're being honest with yourself, you would instantly trade Matt Eberflus and everybody on this staff for any of those three, and you'd be very happy. Mm-hmm. And that is the real question, is if because if you can't win games in your division, you're not going anywhere. And, and if you're not a better coach or a better coaching staff than anybody else in your division, what are we even doing here? Completely agreed. We played this game on bootleg today with some bad teams and quarterbacks instead of coaching staffs. And we did the same thing like, okay, if you think he's not a great quarterback, would you take him in, you know, anybody they got over anybody they got in Cleveland right now? Would you take him over anybody the giants have? Would you, you know, would the jets win more games with that defense if they had X starter? Um, And it's a good way to sort of, again, look around the league and say, what's what? And you're right. It starts in the division. If you cannot win division games, you are uphill from moment one. From the moment the season starts, you are fighting for a wild card. And that is a rough way to go through life. You need at least the hope that you can win your division. And if you are being outcoached by all the teams you face, all the other three teams you face, it is not a winning proposition. Uh, absolutely. Um, Bears fan 131 in the comments, you know, live on YouTube. And again, if you guys want to join us live on YouTube every Wednesday night at eight o'clock central, uh, he says this year sucks, but we could be Buffalo fans. They're having a rough year. What you talking about, man? I mean, they're having a year for they're They're not meeting their expectations, but they've, they're still five and five. They're in the thick of it, right? Like they can still get in this. They are five and five, right? That's just off the top of my head, but it um, is. They have the same record as the Raiders, which is again, you're fighting against expectation. And I'm friends with a lot of Buffalo fans. Obviously I have family in Buffalo. Buffalo is a very different football town. And a lot of what's going on in Buffalo this year stems from last year. Last year, they were the best team in the league, like 
by numbers. They were the best team in the league, and it wasn't particularly close. Now, they didn't win the Super Bowl because it's a single elimination tournament. They lost one of their best defenders, and they got hosed. They couldn't find offensive balance, and they went down on that day. And the letdown, the air coming out of the balloon from knowing you were the best team in the league and having your season cut short sort of didn't really go away. It just simmered all summer, and then they're like, okay, we're going to run it back. We're, you know, And it's very difficult to run it back in the NFL historically, and they're not. They're struggling. Now, they're still a better football team than the Bears. That's That's not in question. But for those of them that didn't flush last year and say every year's a new season, this is doubly hard. And yes, they as a town are taking it very, very hard. All right. I still think I would take Buffalo's year being that they're still in it. You mm-hmm. know, that they, they still got a chance here. They, they can write the ship. I know they just they just fired their offensive coordinator, which I think which- is an interesting choice Mm. it's a choice as they say uh i I don't know that i would have gone that direction but hey okay maybe there's some conflict in the building that we don't know about but not sure that he's going to solve that's going to solve a lot of problems by by getting rid of the offensive coordinator but anyway enough about buffalo um I, i i i think the the main point to take home here is that if you don't feel confident that this coaching staff can provide any any sort of uh, anything better than yes. what you're getting in the rest of the division, then why are you trying to make a case to keep them? I, I just don't know what the percentages of, of fans that are out there that are, that are, I don't like shuffling coaches. Like I feel like we've seen enough. And, and if you haven't like Kevin O'Connell has been on the job the same amount of time, right? Like that was the same hiring cycle. So, you know, if, if you see him and his staff and you're like, Oh, he's way better than go out and get a guy like that. Right. Like, like you don't have to keep these guys just because, just because you hired them. You're right. You don't have to support that. You can say, Hey, no, you know what? I want a new, I want a new regime. I, I, I want a new coaching staff. And, you know, coaching inside of the division is hard, it's hard mm-hmm. because these teams see you all the time. A lot of times they're built specifically to take other divisional opponents down. I mean, the number of times that we've seen a free agency move or a draft class or whatever, it's like, we got to beat fill in the blank, right? You're the, you're the Ravens and we're going to make sure that we can beat Pittsburgh when they're tough, whatever it is, right? Like Mm -hmm. these, these teams specifically know that they have to play these teams twice a year. And, And so they know all the film, they know all the calls, they know everything. So those coaches have to go, you know, that one step further. And right now, Everflus isn't up to the task at all. Like that, they're they're nowhere close in these division games to to being able to pull these off. So, I just I think there's a really interesting test. Now, you know, we talked about it before the program. Justin Fields coming back. You've got a healthy offensive line finally for the first time, right? Like this is the healthiest this offensive line has looked. They rattle a couple of these off, then it's a different story. And I think you and I are both we have seen enough evidence to move on from this coaching staff. But if he starts stacking wins because uh, of other circumstances, we may get an outcome after this that may not be in the best interest of, uh, of the bears long-term, but the people in charge may talk themselves into it. Completely possible. We'll see. I think these games down the stretch for the bears obviously are very important. They haven't been able to play with really the full competent, compliment of their players since the beginning of the year 
And now, especially with the offensive line getting healthy, this is a chance to see this is the vision we had for this team way back in September. You could say what you want about not adjusting in the meantime. That's a depth thing and everything else. But those games are also important around the rest of the division. Like Green Bay has played like garbage most of the year, but the last two games, they've showed some real signs of life. And they too, they don't have their left tackle. They've been struggling with some offensive line issues as well, some receiver health issues. Like, and, you know, they've shown a little bit more pop in the last two games. And is that trend going to continue? And are they going to say, okay, that's good enough. And we're going to keep in their case, their quarterback. I don't really think it's their coaching staff. You know, are we good with Jordan love these last six or seven games? Like they matter for that. And it's the same for the bears. The quarterback question is still there. Haven't really like, I don't think anybody has a definitive answer on Justin Fields. He got hurt. There was very little protection. The scheme was not great in the beginning of the year. Are we in a better place? Can we get a more clear picture over these last six or seven games? I hope so. And it's the same for the coaching staff. Like, are they showing enough, especially with development? Like, if you cannot develop young players, it's just like you said, winning the division games. If you can't win division games, you're not going anywhere. If you can't develop young players, you're not going anywhere either because draft picks are going to stay static. And... I haven't seen a lot of good movement from this particular coaching staff on developing young players. Um, there's a few, and, and that's two or three, uh, that have shown some improvement. But those are both things that worry me a great deal. Yeah, completely spot on there. You're not necessarily seeing uh, th- those things that you want out of the player development. But you know, again, it come, again, coming back, if you can't win divisional games. So I'm putting a lot of pressure on these next three games, right? Two against Detroit, one against Minnesota, two of them on the road, right? The next two are on the road. I get it. But again, you get to this point and you're 0-11 against the division. I just don't see. I, he rattles off a win against, uh, you know, whatever random quarterback the Browns are playing at that point or, you know, beats Arizona, who's, you know, one of the lesser talented teams in the league or or a Falcons team that should be better than what they are. I don't know what the heck's going on, you know, with, with Atlanta, right? Like you beat those teams like I, I'm not actually that interested in that. Oh, you you beat the you beat the Panthers. Great. Like good job. They're the worst team in the league, right? That's not saying that much to me. I need something. I need, I need you to show me that you're willing to, you know, bring out something legitimate here and not, uh, you know, a Josh McDaniels coach Raiders team that's ready to jettison him, you know, nine days later, right? Like there's just, I need to see some sort of consistency in particularly against your division. So anyway, I'm putting that out there. You know, we're, we're going to see that here soon in the next couple of games. Um, I think everybody needs to keep that in the back of their mind uh, of, of what the, what the record is and and what he can show over the next few weeks. But let's move on to a little bit more of a fun topic. So we got another question from uh, Ethan Phelps. He is at terribly funny, 14, uh, terribly funny one through 13 were taken. Um, So favorite bears, alternate uniforms. uh, That's his first question. And then he says, what's on your new stadium wish list? Let's, let's handle the uniform stuff first. I don't know if you have many, uh stadium needs here but <laughs> i'm a i'm a uniform guy mm-hmm. i really enjoy throwbacks alternates like you know give them to me right so so what about you alternates i think we can go any direction you want including throwbacks what do you like uh i like a couple of uniforms they don't 
have right now, okay. which I think would be really interesting. Um, way back when I used to actually play Madden, uh, before I'd completely given up on Madden, it was all about franchise. And of course, they've let franchise die on the vine, so I don't buy Madden anymore, haven't in a long time. But when I did and I had my Bears teams on Madden, I would wear the classic helmet that they wear, I would put the orange jerseys on them, the navy pants. And I know a lot of people hate that combination. I love it. I think it looks great. You and I have talked about it. I know you loathe it. Um, the other one is one that a lot of fans are calling for this year, which is the quote-unquote polar bear alternates, which is like all white with a white helmet, which they don't currently have. Um, when I first saw the concepts for that uniform, I was like, ew. Like, I, it did not resonate with me. I've seen a couple of mock-ups lately that I'm, I'm coming around on it. I think it would be interesting. Um so I'm going to go with those as, you know, possible future alternates. One of them is not possible right now under the helmet rules. The other one is, but <laughs> it has very mixed opinions. Um, I don't tend to like the orange helmets with the orange jerseys. It, that one doesn't really do it for me. No, I think that they could really improve the orange helmet look if they went white jersey underneath mm. uh, or with it, not underneath, yep. but, but white jersey with with the orange helmet. I, I, would, I could dig that. I don't think it goes with the blue jersey. That's just me. But if you go in white, white pants, white jersey with the orange helmet, I think that would be a really nice alternate look. I think it'd be pretty clean. Uh, I would love to play with helmet logo. You you know me. Mm -hmm. I, I do not yep. like the C. Um, I'm, yep. I'm over it. Um, I think that especially if they move out of Chicago proper, I think it would be a perfect opportunity to put the bear head on and, and not use the C anymore. It just, the C's not original, you know, they, they ripped it off from the reds or whatever. I don't, I don't care. And it's, and it hasn't been around for the whole history. You know, they, they put it on midway through their history. Like they used to just have plain helmets. Right. So it's not like the C is has always been the logo, which I think some people think it has. It, it hasn't. Um, I just, I don't love it. I don't love it. I'd also love to see a matte blue helmet at some point. I'd mm. like just try the matte navy and, and see if that works instead of the shiny. So there's a lot of things I would play with like on helmets. But in terms of alternates, I, I'm going to include throwbacks. The 40s throwbacks are the best. Um, those are my favorite. So it's just got the, the big orange letters on the on the blue, uh, navy blue jerseys. Those are my favorite. Um, I, I loved it when they had those. I wish that the pro shop would do a better job of selling the the more sewn on numbers mm -hmm. like for for like it seems like they pretty much gotten rid of those everything's screen print print now i'm not a big fan of the screen print jerseys i like the step up looks like there's only one for sale right now justin fields that's it it's the only one you can mm -hmm. buy that's sewn on um but if they bring the throwbacks i i mean maybe they're not going to sell a lot of them but i would buy play like some historical players in those throwback uniforms like when they brought the 30s throwbacks I thought for sure they were going to sell a Nagurski because mm -hmm. that's who wore that. And that that's, he, that's, he's famous for wearing that throwback. I would have bought a Nagurski. That would have been cool, but they didn't do that. Like, so I wish that they would, they would maybe mix it up a little bit. It always seems like their throwbacks are like Peyton and, you know, maybe like Dicka, like a couple other guys. And it's like, you know, I, I'd like to maybe stretch that out a little bit. Like let, let's, let's vary that up, maybe make it error appropriate, maybe, you know, some other things. But for me, it's the forties throwbacks. Um, I'd love to, I'd love to do some different things with the helmet. Um, but right now I think the realistic thing, orange helmet, white Jersey. Yeah. I'd like to see them go to the alternate white helmet. I think it would give them, you know, not only the straight white look, but some other options. 
I'm with you. The helmet needs to be changed up a little bit. I like the C, um, but, and I'm not a huge fan of that bear head. I think like bear imagery would be really cool. Like yep. I've seen some alternate bear heads that would be really neat. I've seen bear claws and paws, which I think would be awesome. Um, I do think they need to, to try a little, they lean a lot on, Hey, we're the, you know, we're the oldest franchises in the entire league and history and tradition is unassailable. And, you know, you find playing that stuff, you know, 80% of the time. But if you're going to move, like they would sell a ton of whatever New Jersey, I, I spend a fair amount of time in NFL games, um, not only at the stadium closest to me, but stadiums around the country and people wear whatever. Right. And you see some really wild, you know, you see a lot of alternates out there on the train up to Seattle last weekend. Uh, the commander's alternates. I saw two, um, both of the higher end ones, the sewn on ones, Terry McLaurin jerseys in the black and yellow, which I think are kind of sharp, uh, fans buy that stuff. Right. And again, Washington, lot of you know tradition history in their colors and and has been pretty subdued uniform wise for the most part they haven't done wild stuff obviously with the change of the commanders and then trying to bring in alternates but people buy that stuff man so you know yeah play in your very historic <laughs> very very proper uniforms most of the time but give give some options so that it's cool yeah, I mean, they've got a great art history. Uh, you know, for those of you that can see my background, there's some yeah. incredible bear stuff that's behind me that, you know, was an artist that did program covers that I wrote a story about. Like, there's some really cool bears artwork in the history. So use some of it. Bring it back, yeah. right? Play with it. And, you know, it's vintage, but you're, you're updating it. Like, there, there's some really cool options here. Honestly, they just need to hire me. Just, just hire yeah, me and, you know, as a consultant. I can, I can, you know, sh throw some ideas around and we, we can get some better gear. That's really what it's about. I agree. All right. Real quick. We're going to take a break on the other side of it. Uh, we're going to get to a couple more questions. All right, DJ, old friend, Chris Armstrong at Chris Armstrong one. She says rumors are flying that Flus will return. So we talked about this a little earlier. What are some fun AFC teams to watch? So this is basically <laughs> like, if this regime comes back, I actually do think it, Bears fans can be a lot of talk, right? And then mm -hmm. comes around and they're going to get excited in the fall anyway, right? But I, I do think that we're going to lose a percentage of of the fans because you know this 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 idea that oh well this time will be different like at some point that just runs out right like bears yeah. fans have seen this cycle happen enough where nothing's lined up oh you're gonna go get a new quarterback but you're gonna keep this coach and then you're gonna fire that coach that we all knew wasn't very good and then you're gonna bring in a new one but he's not aligned with that quarterback like we've seen this right so the this idea of who do you take a gap year could you take a vacation from the bears knowing that this is probably going in a direction that's not going to be very fun to watch and maybe just adopt an AFC team for the year? So I, I'm kind of playing with this idea, right? I think it's kind of an interesting, like, you know, thought concept to, to maybe play with a little bit. And I like how Chris said AFC team. She's, she's not going to root for a different NFC team. Let's get that out of here. Right. So we, we've eliminated 15 teams, but AFC teams starting, now-ish or into next year who are the teams that you think are pretty interesting to cheer for i love the baltimore ravens i love their coaching staff 
Um, now that the offense is fixed, my my gripe perennially with Baltimore was Greg Roman's run game is super fun, entirely complex, great to watch. His passing game was prehistoric. He he could not make it work. They bring in Todd Monken. He keeps a very effective running game. In fact, a very exciting running game with Keaton Mitchell, the new rookie, who's you know explosion in a bottle, and. He brings a modern passing game and sort of unleashes Lamar and starts using, you know, multiple receiver routes. And, you know, it's a fun team to watch. The defense under Mike McDonald is playing extremely well. You know, familiar face for Chicago fans, Roquan leading the middle of that defense and playing at a very high level. I love Baltimore. I love what they're doing. They're a tough team. They play in an incredibly tough division that just eats its own every year so there's no like oh well baltimore's going to roll through all those division games and then we'll see what they do no no they get games from cleveland cincinnati and pittsburgh on the regular and they basically split um every year every team so that makes it i think really interesting to watch the other one gotta say the texans love Hmm. D'Amico ryan love the job he's doing there the you know absolute rocket ride that cj stroud is on um I think a lot of people that don't follow, you know, the AFC or, or Texans football don't understand like how quickly he's breaking through the roadblocks, right? He went from, okay, maybe he's a decent rookie starter to, okay, he might be the best rookie starter to, hey, he's, he's actually a guy that, you know, might win you a couple of games to, holy crap, he's playing better than, Oh, at least half of the AFC started. And this is like every two weeks this occurs. And now it's like he might not only win rookie of the year, he might be in like offensive player of the year consideration. Like if he keeps going, he's going to be. That's the kind of tear he's on. So love the coaching staff. D'Amico Ryans is great. Bobby Slow, it's going to be a very hot name as the offensive coordinator. Um, and they've got, you know, fun playmakers. They drafted on offense. They need some help on defense. They've got a, a good and interesting defense right now. They need some more horsepower there. But like the arrow is pointed so far up on that team after, again, a very sort of bears like time in the wilderness with Jack Easter be involved with the team and, you know, lots of calls for ownership to be turned over, which was never going to happen. But like, again, a very hopeless situation two years ago turns into D'Amico Ryans is your coach. You've got the best young quarterback in the game. You've got an exciting offense and a defense that's making plays, even though it's a little undermanned, like that's an exciting recipe. It's interesting. I, I had a short list and I actually did not include them. I do like how you say Houston and rocketing that, that worked for me, you know, Houston rockets uh, are a thing. So that was fun. There you go. I, I agree with you on the Ravens. One of the first first teams I wrote down when I was thinking about this. And and you have a Bears connection, which helps, right? You've got Roquan there. For sure. So so there you go, right? Like, oh, you know, I get I get to see this guy be in the perfect situation, guy that the Bears mm-hmm. drafted, that you know, always have a, the Bears as part of his career. So that's kind of fun, right? Um Ravens are incredibly well coached and they're just in games right so so you don't have to worry about the coaching piece because the coaching piece is figured out and then you have an exciting quarterback so so that that's a really good combination if you can like is there is it a good coaching staff and a good quarterback or an exciting quarterback or you know that those are those are kind of the combination you're looking for Mm -hmm. i think that to me the dolphins you have to mention because mike mcdaniel is 
so much fun and he's so refreshing. I mean, like how many other coaching press conferences do you actually want to listen to? <laughs> right. Like, I mean, but he's one, right. Like he, he's, he's one that you want to listen to and he's very like honest and he'll flip it back with the reporter. <laughs> do you see the one that he did in Germany? Did you see the one that he did today? No, I haven't seen that yet. Okay. So they, one of the reporters asked, uh, Hey, could you, you know, could you describe uh river Craycraft skills? Like one of their wide receivers who's coming back off injury, his answer, Liam Neeson, a very particular set of skills. I love it. I it love was it. it was brilliant. It was so good. When he went when he, he was overseas, there he was taking you know questions from the the, the pool, and a guy like asked a very detailed question, a very good football based question, and he's looking around. He goes, "This is great." this is great. Are you hearing this? This is great. And he's like, Hey, you know, obviously like you have an accent and like, so, so, you know, you're over, you're over, obviously you're over here, but like the detail of which you're asking is phenomenal. It's fantastic. Right. And so he was just willing to just have that like honest, I don't know. I find him very fascinating, interesting. And then of course, what he's doing on the field, what, he, you know, the position that he's putting his players into to succeed. I, I'm not like, I know that there's some people that watch our watch and listen to our stuff that really like to, uh, and, I'm not sure that I think that he's like this perfect quarterback, but he's in the perfect situation for Tua. And so that part's cool, right? So to me, I think the Dolphins are that really fun team and they're fast. They've got, <laughs> they they've are got that. The speed, they got the most speed in the, in, in, you know, and then you got a Chicago connection, right? You got, you got Fish sure. Fangio coaching the defense. Raheem Mostert was a bear for like five seconds, right? Yeah, so, you got a cup of coffee in Chicago. You know, sure. there's, there's that. I don't know if there's any other obvious, uh, you know, obvious Bears connections off the top of my head. Um, you know, I, I've liked the chargers for a long time. I, I like Herbert. I don't think, but, if, you, but if you're staff. leaving the bears because you're frustrated, you don't go to the chargers. Definitely, it definitely downgrades the chargers. As you don't go to the chargers. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, I can't recommend that one. And then the other one, again, I think it's just because of the quarterback, but I think the Bengals are a lot of fun to watch because I think yeah. Burrow's really fun to watch. And, the, and, you know, Jamar chase, that's an incredible connection there. And I love T Higgins. That's one of my, one of my favorite, like non bears players to begin with. Anyway, I don't know that I love Zach Taylor and the coaching staff, um, I, but I don't love Zach, but Lou Anarumo is one of the yeah, top great defensive coaches in the league. And every week, if you enjoy defensive football, which is hard to do in the modern NFL, because the rule set is, slanted against defense and and that's on purpose lou comes out and has his guys prepared every single week to play whoever they're playing it is not at all a boilerplate game plan it is a game plan specifically to frustrate the opponent and he usually does that he is a master at that i really enjoy watching it and i love both their linebackers because i was super high on jermaine pratt and i love logan wilson and those guys play the lights out they're a lot of fun uh all right i want to move on to steve jinx at steve jinx one uh and i'm setting you up here ej because i want you oh to talk. yeah i've talked about tyson bajan a lot on with with lester on on our other show so i just i want to know your feelings okay so so steve says how does Beijing compare to other rookies that were not expected to start? So not Bryce mm -hmm. Young, not Stroud, not, not Will Levis. Although I'm not sure where we were at with Will Levis necessarily yeah. at the end of the year, but he was a high pick. So we'll, we'll, we'll go there. Um, that would be a more meaningful review of his play than comparing him to Justin Fields, which hundred percent. And that's what we have been Absolutely trying to agree. establish since the beginning is that 
these guys are playing these guys are trying to play different positions justin fields is trying to play franchise quarterback and establish that and tyson bajan is trying to establish himself as a backup that's that that's that's the truth they, they are not playing the same position if you will they're not they're not trying to occupy the same spot on the on the roster but i want you to answer this question specific to tyson bajan versus other rookies that we're seeing around the league that maybe weren't the high draft picks yeah, I think it's a great question. I think it's a great frame, right? Because it's more, I think it's more relatively fair. Again, you've got an undrafted free agent, rookie quarterback. That, that's a lot of words to throw before quarterback to say, hey, this is going to be really hard. And Tyson Bajant has some qualities that are really good. He is calm. He is quick through his footwork, and that allows him to scan more of the field uh, which is a real plus. He has a, I'll say a quick arm. He does not have a great deep arm. Yes, I know he can throw the ball deep. Every quarterback in the NFL can throw the ball deep. Some can throw it better than others. He He's not on the plus end of that scale. The farther you go down the field, the lower his completion percentage is going to be because he has to elevate it to get it there. He cannot drive the deep out in the way that a guy like Justin Herbert or a lot of other guys around the league who have big arms can do. He's, he's not built that way and that's okay. There are people that aren't, that can be successful. Those are the pluses. He is calm. He doesn't, you know, pee down his leg when he comes in the game. And, and that is not a backhanded compliment. It, there are a lot of quarterbacks, especially backup quarterbacks around the league that don't meet that bar. And he meets that bar and exceeds it. After that, he looks a lot like an undrafted free agent rookie quarterback. Depth of target is extremely low. Accuracy is not great. And there are at least, at least two or three throws a game that are absolutely TWP turnover worthy plays. Like he throws it right at defenders. Um, you know, he doesn't recognize the coverage and that, that's typical rookie stuff. This is not pissing on Tyson Beige. Like we don't, I'm not here to do that. He achieved an amazing amount of success in a very short period of time, given where he started and where he is now. The fact that he even made the roster is amazing. The fact that he came in, started and played well enough for the team to win some games. That's amazing. They didn't win the games because of him. They didn't win the games because of his completion percentage. In fact, he left a lot of meat on the bone in those games. Not surprising for a guy in his first start with that little experience coming from that level of play. So can he progress? Sure. Is he anywhere close to where he needs to be as a, what I would call mid-level or replacement starter in the NFL? No, he's not there. Could he get there eventually? He might, but it's going to take a bit. And Again, you're right when you say he's not playing the same position as Justin Fields. Now, let's talk about other quarterbacks who were drafted this year. And again, drafted, so taken ahead of him because he was undrafted, but not expected to start. Aiden O'Connell was not expected to start. Jimmy G was a starter in Las Vegas. I'll take Aiden all day over Beijing. He is going to drive the ball down the field. He has a lot more experience at a much higher level of play in college. And we'll see how it goes over time. But right now, Aiden O'Connell over Bajan, not even a question. DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson, very experienced quarterback out of UCLA. Drafted as the Browns backup, not expected to start. Deshaun Watson just broke his shoulder. DTR is getting the start. 
They are not putting PJ Walker, bear legend PJ Walker in <laughs> as a starter. They're going to give it to DTR. And I think that's actually the right call to see what they have there. Again, mid-round quarterback, one of those guys that learns every year, progressed every year at UCLA. And some people saw him early on and kind of made their mind up and said, that's what he is. He made strides every year. He got better. He made plays. He's seen a lot of football. I think the Browns team's actually going to win underneath him because they have a very, one of the best defenses in the league, top two defense right, in the league. For sure. They have a very strong running game with Jerome Ford. They have a great offensive line with Bill Callahan and, and those guys. They have some injuries, but great offensive line. And they have enough weapons. And DTR is a guy that can not make the big mistake. He's going to make rookie mistakes, but he's not going to be. The thing about Tyson Bajan that the absolute killer is, yeah, maybe he could start looking farther down the field uh, in a given play, but you cannot turn the ball over at the rate he turns the ball over right now. Like that's a killer. You cannot go out, throw two picks and lose a fumble every game and expect your team to stay in it. Like the NFL is way, way, way too close for that. And so can he overcome those problems? Bajant? I think he probably can. Is he at the level of those other guys? No, there's a reason they were picked ahead of him. And I imagine if they all get the same amount of playing time, we'll see that play out on the field. But right now, a lot of fans were like, well, we don't have anything else. It's him or Nathan Peterman. And honestly, I would rather see Bajan start than Peterman. But you know what my opinion of Nathan Peterman is as a professional quarterback. So that's not saying a lot. Yeah, a couple things. I think the, you know, in modern NFL, like you said, you can't turn the ball over th that way. If you do, though, it, you need to have this incredible explosive play offsetting that. Like you have to have so many explosive plays where you're like, yeah, we got to live with a couple of these turnovers, but this guy's going to, this guy's just going to sling it around the yard and oh, he's going to run for a, 80 yards every week. Like this is like a the, Josh Allen subtweet right here. This is that, this is exactly right. Right. This is, this is a Josh Allen thing where, yeah, you can live with it because Josh Allen's going to make a bunch of hero plays. Now Josh Allen gets himself into trouble and you know, all that stuff. Like he, he's got his own issues going on but if you if you're looking at it from like a ledger and you say oh wow we've got some negatives here okay look at the other side of the ledger is that other side of the ledger have a bunch of positives then you can kind of live with it does that ledger have not not really any explosive plays not really anything downfield well then yeah then that's really bad and that's that's what Bajan's giving you right now is is like there, there's some negative plays and there's not there's no explosive plays or if there are it's because you know, DJ Moore is just really good at football and breaks like three tackles and then has a, has an explosive pass that he caught two yards beyond the line of scrimmage, right? Like that's, it's possible, but that's not, you can't really count on that. That that That's just the player making a, a, another big play for you. The other thing I want to talk about is arm strength. As arm strength things come up again, I've been given Lester a hard time because he made this tweet about velocity at the combine. I don't even know where that came from, but like you can see it on these deep balls, right? And like you, you said, he's got to kind of like, loft it be big time he can't drive into it and, and i'm thinking about it from the perspective of again let's go back to velocity of talking about a pitcher and you mm -hmm. say like well, well how how fast does he pitch and someone say oh well you know he can touch he can touch 100 on the radar gun I say, oh okay can he throw that for a strike it's like, well, no, like if he locates it, it's 90 94 you know like well that's a big difference right like so and i'm not saying Bajan can throw hundred or anything like that, but he, he, there's, there's no real accuracy here. He's trying, he's putting everything he can into it to get it into the general area 
And it's, I think those throws are there to try to keep the defense honest. I, I don't even know that he's trying to, I, I'm sure he's trying to complete them, but I don't think, I think they're purposely taking a couple shots. They seem very predetermined to me. Um, they don't seem particularly open. He's yeah. doing that, I think, to just kind of loosen up the coverage. Um, or, or get And I mean, he almost gets he, like, I'm calling yeah. this, you know. No, and I think that's probably out. the way that it's communicated to Beijing, which is I'm going to scheme you up a one-on-one and I'm going to guarantee you it's a one-on-one because I'm going to, I'm going to drive the formation the other way. And I'm going to basically either make them break their defense to put two over the top of DJ Moore or DJ Moore is going to be singled up and I need you to throw it to DJ Moore. Like, you know, if he's really well covered, throw it a little bit over his head out of bounds, but I need you to throw it to DJ Moore so that they know that we're going to throw it. And on those shots, um, interestingly enough, it's almost always the first read, oh, the yeah. first and only read. Like he goes back staring at that guy and cuts him loose. It is predetermined. That is the, that is what you see on film when something is predetermined. And they say, unless he is triple teamed, you throw this ball. And so you can tell with the accuracy of those balls. I mean, it's not there. He's trying to just get everything he can on it. So again, it's, it's the pitcher like, well, what can he hit on the radar gun? Okay. Well, how, what, it, what can he hit when he's actually trying to locate it? Can he throw that for strikes? Oh no, he has to kind of bring it down to this, this velocity to throw for strikes. Right. And so I, I, I think he got to kind of look, we watch this team way too much. Like I, I, I just want to like, <laughs> for the record, we go back and we rewatch these games. We watch the all 22. Like we spend way too much time with a bad football team, but there are questions out there that are legitimate and you have to ask it. Well, okay. Can this kid throw? And like, you see these things are like, no, like it's, there's a reason why. There's well, a I'll say, why. I'll say not right now because arm strength, there is a, I don't want to say myth. There's a misunderstanding of arm strength. It is one of the things that can improve as, as people get in the league and get stronger. Drew Brees is a classic option. At Purdue, Drew did not have a very strong arm. By the time he was three years into the league, his arm was noticeably stronger. Like you can get a stronger arm, whereas you can't get some other things. You can't typically develop a good sense of when pressure is coming from the backside. You either have that or you don't. Like there is, there's not a good way that I know of to, to develop that. And some quarterbacks just notably don't have that. And so it is a quality you can improve upon. And if he improves on his arm strength a little bit and gets a little bit more experience, I think he's got a long career in the league ahead of him, seven, eight years being a backup quarterback going around because he is calm. He will run the offense. He will go through his reads. Um, he does have some mobility. He's shown some yeah. toughness, which is really good. Like, I think all those are possible, but um, is he right now ready to, you know, be a young and ascending starter? And the answer is no, he's not at that stage right now. He needs some time. And a lot of, if you look at the history of guys that come from that undrafted free agent, rookie quarterback ness, right. That, that mm -hmm. he is, you know, some of them have a little better pedigree than him, obviously that, that became very you know good starters in the NFL. It took time. These guys bounced around, right? Like they 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 played football in different leagues, even, and then came back to the NFL. Or they, you know, they they were backups for multiple years before they really um, hit the ground. So, so again, like he has enough that he's going to stay on rosters because, like you say, 
you're going to put in a game, he's not going to just freak out and, you know, uh, it, it, the stage isn't too big for him is, is a phrase that has been Correct. said in games that I agree with. Right. Uh, but again, like when you say, Oh, it's going to take some time. We might be talking about four or five years. Hmm. You know, that that's, that's the truth is some of these guys, it takes that long until they they get to that point where you're like, Oh, this guy's now actually kind of like a, a spot starter. Like you, you could, you could sign him for a year as a bridge quarterback or something like that. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, let's have realistic expectations for this kid that that's all Correct. that my point has been the whole time. Like he's trying to be a backup in the league and I think he can do it. Okay. I don't have an answer for this, but I wanted to talk about this. Uh, so, so Chris Keating, uh, <laughs> he's at Chris K underscore the bears. Uh, he says, what's a more accurate acronym instead of hits that truly captures Flus's approach. And he, he, he offered putts. Now here's the thing on the show on Monday, I asked Lester, what was the joke going around about the T and hits? Like I saw it like as a meme and I didn't understand, like it didn't say takeaways like it should. It said the ball, the ball. And I was like, what is this? Why, why is why are people making this joke? I don't, I don't get the joke. And then it was revealed that that's actually what Eberflus did. Like he, he, that's what he did. He changed takeaways to the ball which is Correct. the dumbest the yes. dumbest thing that you could possibly do is yep. change an actual word that starts with that letter to the like it just i i can't get over how dumb that is like you <laughs> could change this in multiple ways to to still make it work i mean i think takeaways still works you just say turnovers right you yeah. could even do like you really wanted to like go deep football say like toxic differential be it be after my own heart. Be, use the statistics term, right? Like you, you could go different directions here, but you went with the ball. There can't be a more JB argument than what's occurring right now. Period. And yeah, when it was revealed that T was the ball, I was like, "Well, that's appropriate," because again, there are things about. Eberflus and look, all coaches have things they're not good at, but he looks really overmatched, just kind of happy to be there a lot. And some of those guys, that's the way they are uh, with the press or in their sort of quote unquote public persona because they have to have that. And they're very different with the guys in the locker room or on the sideline or whatever else. He looks that way kind of all the time. Like he he's on the sideline like, huh? What, what was that? And you're like, I know that might be your thinking face, but you gotta, you gotta come up with something. Get sunglasses, dude. You know, borrow, borrow Justin sunglasses. Put a, put a hat on. Like he's he's a no yeah. hat guy, which is driving something. me nuts. I, you know, he can be a no hat guy. That's fine. But like, and then he goes to the, you know, he goes to press conferences and he gives these like word salad in a blender. It's like word salad on steroids. Answers. They just go round and round. Don't answer the question. And. Uh, to reporters credit I, I don't know if they're just um tired but they don't follow up and go i'm sorry coach that that doesn't really clear up what i asked like uh, uh, you know are your receivers getting better like he, they they just let him off the hook because he speaks for three minutes and then stops and you're like but that is, you didn't you didn't say anything like almost, he hasn't really earned that right to to be that bad like you know like the belichick thing where it's all an act with well, belichick by the way yeah, but like, it's completely different it's it's funny 
because his press conference in Frankfurt was, whew, that was an all timer. Um, he just beat the hell out of the microphone and was super petulant and surly, like the upset kid. Um, which is funny because again, that is the public perception of, of Bill. And I got to learn a little bit last year about the, the person Bill Belichick, uh, because the Patriots were a coaching staff at Shrine Bowl. And he really first gave all those responsibilities to his assistants on purpose as, as an elevating opportunity. Hey, you're going to, you're going to coach the team. Um, you know, position coaches are now going to be coordinator level and, and we're going to give this as a development and growth opportunity. He was still there and he can't help himself. He's an inveterate football coach. He, he jumped in and, and coached on the field because he couldn't, he couldn't stop. But at least four or five people told me stories about Bill Belichick during that week that either occurred during that week or had occurred at other times when they had interfaced with Bill Belichick. Like that guy's a first class human being. Yeah. Like, he's a good dude. Right. Like treats people really, really well that he has, he doesn't need to, there's no, there's nothing in it for him. Um, you know, maids in hotels, uh, wait staff in restaurants, like people that, you know, that's, that's when you sort of see how people treat people is when they have no, nothing to gain and they do it anyways. Um, he, he's a legitimate solid human being, but boy, at the podium, like I would not want to be pressed trying to deal with him because he's going to give you nothing on purpose. And when he wants to really give you nothing, he's going to do what he did in Frankfurt and just say, bag it. I'm, I'm out. And again, he's, he's got the pedigree. They're going to allow him to do that and whatever else. But with flus, it's not like that. It's not that he hasn't earned it. Like it, it, like that's the substance, but I don't feel like he's ever going to go off on one of those Belichickian, I don't want to call it rants. I'm going to call it education about the history like of answer. You know, very much what Mike McDaniel did when he was right. over in Europe. Like, I just don't think he's necessarily got that in him. Like, and no. so you start asking like, okay, so yeah, you, you seem like you kind of have the locker room. Like they're not openly rebelling, but they don't seem super happy either. We're not sure about your choice for assistant coaches in fact that's on really shaky ground we're out on development like we don't see a ton of development happening we see some with darn all right we don't see a lot with the two high defensive tackles you took in fact you're not even giving them a lot of snaps which in a season where you're not going to win a lot of games like we'd like to see a little bit more like so we're we're shaky on the young player development and then you know, your stuff like the divisional record pops up and you're like, well, that's another check in the negative column. So what, what is it that, wh why would we keep you? Like, why would you retain this job? And I don't have a lot of answers in that column. What is it that you say you do here? here. <laughs> so Chris, Chris is, Chris is, uh, again, I got to give him a little bit of credit here. He clearly yeah. did his homework. He, he listened to the show, but he, he went with putts and he said, predictable unimaginative the game of football which is a totally go. like it's you, you know, i love it chris that very very well done and then zero charisma for the z um so so well done chris that that was good stuff uh this is for next week if we choose to do it so oh, yes so david uh david hunsaker four mm -hmm. uh asks uh if we if we will do a thanksgiving sides and desserts draft uh, so, we will, but I get to make the rules because screw your rules. 
Uh, okay. All right. You don't get to ruin my Thanksgiving. You ruin my Halloween. I agree to your terms. Okay, cool. I agree to your terms, whatever they are. Um, just, just, you know, again, you only get one I'm not going to do like one starch rules all starches. So if you pick a starch, you can't pick another starch because that's... I mean, I do think that maybe you should limit it to one potato, but like, whatever, man. Like, you you get to make the rules. You're telling the Irish guy, limit it to one potato. This is not a great start. type of potato makes sense to me, but like, whatever. You want to, you want to draft Why you're not in charge. What, what we'll do is we'll do start off with the kitchen tradition, which we're is already arguing. It's Thanksgiving already. I know we're going to start it off with one shot of Irish whiskey in the kitchen and then we'll have our draft. It'll go great. Some, sounds about right. Uh, OK, so let's maybe see if we can recruit a third person in because we should do that. I think drafts are better with three. So we'll see if we can draft, uh, recruit a third person in to, to do the draft. Oh, so, I. I haven't asked. I think I have someone that uh, loves the bears, loves food. I don't know if they're available or not, but I'll ask. Okay, great. All right. So that's something to look forward to next week. Let's wrap around back to the drinks. Um, I got to tell you, man, <laughs> you're loving this, it. This is really good. I can't, I mean, it's, I know like you generally the first pour from a new bottle isn't as good as the rest of the bottle. Cause it opens up and breathes a little bit when the first pour is really good. <laughs> Generally, that means that you got a great bottle. This is really good so far. So uh, if you see this in a store, don't block at the price. It's out of your price range, out of your price range. But like sure. if you see this, go for and it. It's really peerless, good. correct? Peerless is the is the distillery. This is their double oak, which is uh, their okay. They use their rye to double oak. I, I will take a peek at that. Um, the Caniche Perfection Rum, um, double wood. This stuff is... If you've never had good rum, uh, this might not be the place to start just because it's so incredibly complex because of the way it's finished. Um, the brandy really comes on at the end. And um, I like that, but it being a you know sugar-based cocktail or sugar-based spirit in the first place, like <laughs> the brandy's kind of like supercharged. Um, I think it's fantastic because it's um, it's really layered. There's a lot to it. Um, if you've only ever had kind of like clear rums as mixers, this is a completely different experience. And I, I love it for that. It's also pretty affordable as a high end bottle compared to many other types of spirits. Um, the lucky Buddha is it, you know, this is what it is. It's a fun bottle, uh, clear Asian lager, green bottle, a little bit of skunk to it, a little bit of sweetness right off the, the first crack. Um, you know, it's a clean drink of beer. Uh, probably not. It doesn't even list uh, the alcohol content on there. I can't imagine it's more than like five, you know, and that's, that's fine. It's a nice, you know, palate cleanser and you know, it's, it's a fun six pack to have in the fridge. It's a fun looking bottle. So yeah, that that's for sure, really what it's all about, but yep. all right, that's the show this week. Uh, enjoy yourself against the lions. We'll get across your fingers. I think it's going to be a tough one. Um, but we'll see you back here next week and uh, we will uh, try to have some fun next week before the holidays. So for sure. until then, bear down everybody. <laughs> <laughs>